0: This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live, a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Loparcaro, and this episode's guest is the Amazons. The Amazons are a four piece rock group from Reading, England. Their third album, How Will I Know If Heaven Will Find Me, is incredibly personal. A lot of its songs focus on frontman Matt Thompson's long distance relationship with his partner, In a wider sense, the record explores the feeling of loving someone from a distance and of longing for the things we miss. After the past few years, these are feelings we can all relate to. You wrote this in the liner notes, which were very organized and very lovely to have all the side notes next to all the lyrics. But even before I opened that document, like, it was very, very, very clear to me what this album was going to be about um which of course is your partner matt Mm -hmm. um she's very much at the center of this record which i think is really really sweet very much so yes you're making like a very pensive face like (laughs) no
1: yeah i'm just trying to get into the get in the zone of being able to communicate and articulate in this uh interview because we're talking about our favorite favorite subject which is the record which has been dominating our lives for the last Two years. So yeah, no. The you're right. It is. It is definitely about that person. My relationship to her. But um definitely didn't want to get too bogged down in specifics, because I think you want to keep some things private. I'd never really been this personal with lyrics before. Which sounds like a cliche, but it really is. It is true this time. So I don't want to get bogged down in specifics and give too much away. Um, in terms of that stuff, but, um, yeah, it felt like this is probably the most cohesive record that we've made lyrically, and I think the music follows suit, really.
0: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, obviously, at the end of the day, you know, you, you kind of keep the things that are yours to yourself, as, as anyone should. Um, it's just cool how a lot of this record... I guess unpacks even just like the concept of long-term and long-distance relationships especially when you pair literally a pandemic on top of it and everything that just comes to be when all of those elements are just piled on top of each other.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I and I think even before the pandemic it was, you know, something I was navigating and 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 there's a lot of obstacles to kind of get wrap your head around, I think. And a lot of good things to worth celebrating and that was even before and i knew when we were kind of just finishing off the touring for the last record future dust that i wanted to um write about my experiences with this and then obviously a pandemic happened and then like everyone really experienced some sort of long distance relationship so i thought this is definitely the time to do it and i it was almost like this kind of once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to know that I was talking about very personal experiences and also know that just by everyone's collective situation that it would just be a universal subject. Do you know what I mean? Navigating distance, but also time. And, you know, the distance didn't change for me, but time certainly grew and grew and and progressed and got further and further away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I started this podcast a month before COVID hit. So it's unsurprisingly, so many of the records that I've ended up speaking about have clearly been influenced by the past year. So I'm sure while people listening to this are probably like, please stop talking about fucking COVID at Mm, the same time. Definitely. It's, you know, the last two, two, almost three, wherever we are at this point, Years have really forced a lot of us to turn inward. And I think, especially for creative people, musicians obviously, the music that's come out of that has been very personal, even for people who typically don't like to turn inward on their music, just have ended up doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, all had a lot of time to sit and think mm. and continue to think and continue and continue and be alone with our thoughts, which is, you know, great. So fun. Um, but Kind of going back on what you were saying before, like you know, obviously this relationship and and the songs that then surround it are all based on something that ha- started before the pandemic. And there was something you wrote in the notes that I kind of clocked, and it was nice to see it like confirmed. Which was, I think, it was the the episodic nature of a long distance relationship, which again makes a lot of sense. There's the periods where you're with that person, the periods where you're not. There's the ups and downs, the mental aspects of it questions the missing people just there's a lot and I feel like I don't know if this was on purpose or not if it was more just about like the flow of the record but I feel like just the way that the songs were placed it sort of reflected that sense of of episodes and highs and lows that you would experience in that situation
1: Definitely I think um it wasn't as it wasn't as like explicit a um it wasn't as explicit a concert record or anything where we could like start the day with sunrise and dawn and morning and then finish it with like, um, you know, nighttime and and all that stuff. But like the album kind of, for me visually each song kind of, kind of has those kind of peaks and troughs. Like for example, um, Say it Again for me is a really morning kind of song, whilst, of course, for the night, but also, um, in the morning, actually, even though it says, even, even though it says something different in the title, but actually that is a kind of nighttime song. Um, and there's just these kind of like, yeah, it's like very episodic and, um, and, and there's definitely dynamic in the record it isn't that um linear kind of all over the place but that's kind of what it is like to be in a long distance relationships it's it's as much about goodbyes as it is hellos really
0: yeah I almost feel like you could listen to the record in a perfect circle as well just because you know you end on a song that's about leaving and Mm. having to you know go back to your life separately and you begin the record with a song that's You know, maybe you've been away from that very person for a certain amount of time and questions are sleeping into your head. And so, like I said, it's almost like they can... One can pick up from where the other one left off quite easily.
1: Yeah, massively. And, you know, been in this relationship for nearly four years now. And um, even though, you know, our lives change and grow and we grow as individuals, the just... There is a cyclical nature of just... um, Yeah, those... It's... It's not Groundhog Day because each experience is completely different in itself, but um, there are just these themes that keep on coming up over and over again. The same same feelings, the same ways of dealing with stuff. Um, Like I'll touch down um, where she is and I'll feel a certain way for a couple of days and then I'll be feeling another where I'll settle in for a while and then a week before I leave, I'll feel like devastated and sad and then a couple of days before I'll feel okay and like kind of numb and then I'll feel numb all day um, on the day that I'll catch a flight and then right at the last minute it will just be an explosion of feelings that you have to kind of pick up when you're on the plane back and, you know, watching terrible films. Oh, Bob. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so actually what you're saying about how the album is and the track listing is played around with like and how we've kind of um set it out actually um I totally see what you're saying and um I'm glad you said that because it was kind of subconscious to us <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I've said it several times on this podcast but I feel like often many an album ends up being an almost accidental concept album and that mm. you know whatever is going on in your head especially if you write the songs closely together like in a small window of time, but even if you are pulling old songs, the ones that you choose to pull back often reflect whatever headspace you're in when you're putting an album together you know
1: definitely and you know what we wrote something very not typical for the Amazons is to write lots and lots of material usually typically on our last couple of records it's really the the 10, 11, 12 songs you
2: it's the bare minimum
1: yeah we do that. we do the bare minimum work <laughs> no um it's really what you see what what you hear is pretty much what we've made
2: yeah i think we did a lot of uh kind of just going down every every path we possibly could without cutting things off too soon uh and ended up like mouth out a bunch of ideas and even if it wasn't something we would like immediately clicking with we'd still go like let's see where this goes
1: because we got time because we
2: got time <laughs> yeah essentially we
0: got nothing but time
1: and 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 you know we ended up with like 35 songs um and some really good stuff didn't make the record but purely because it just didn't tell the story that we wanted to tell yeah. which which is definitely good for our uh anxiety levels now the album is about to come out because we still have material and we still have songs that we think are really awesome sitting in the back pocket
0: no. Yeah. I always make a sister record. People have done it many a time. Yeah. Um Yeah, definitely. I'm curious now, were there any songs that of the ones that made the record that were maybe like a bit of a sleeper in terms of like I don't know if this one's gonna work and then at some point it clicked into the place It was like, oh no, this works and, mm. and it's gonna make That's it. That's a
1: great question.
2: I think there was a there's a track called There's a Light that Matt did. I've forgotten who he did it with now.
1: Uh started that one with a guy called Will Bloomfield. That's right, yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, Will Bloomfield. And it was a song, it was one of the last ones we decided to go on the record. And honestly, we weren't even sure about it while we were going into the studio. We all, we all loved the song, but like didn't know how it exactly fit with the other material we'd had. Um, but we did that one live in the studio with uh, Jim Abyss, sitting behind the desk, kind of orchestrating what was going on. And we maybe did like three or four takes of that just before the takeaway arrived at the studio. Uh, and then we went up to the studio, and Jim was like, "I'm going to stay on it for a minute." That was that was really good, guys. That was amazing. We're like, "Okay, really?" Went and had dinner, and then he came up and he was like, "I think we've like got that one in the bag," and it, it just like, yeah, yeah amazing. It just Job and done. It was like, "Cool, that's amazing. Like, we're we're done." Yeah. So I think that was that was kind of a sleeper in terms of like writing it, and now it's like one of our favorites.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's almost interesting that of all the songs, that's the one that was the sleeper because it's so closely tied to the title track of the record. Yeah, You know, like it's in a way it's kind of important. Like, whereas the title track is much more the doubting side of, of that feeling of being away from a person is like, like you say in the notes, like, is it gonna be the same? Is it gonna be weird? Like, how's their life changed? How's my life changed X, Y, and Z? Or Z, I should say, yeah, I lived in America for too long. I'm Canadian, <laughs> I should not be saying Z. <laughs> my people would hate me, but um, you know, obviously there's a light sort of the the as you wrote, the more hopeful cousin, it's like the thing to hold on to in that situation. yeah one
2: of the, one of the many sides of uh, of the answer to the question. How yeah. will I know if heaven will find me. Yes, yeah. that's, that's what a lot of the songs are really.
1: That's a great great point, actually. We set out the question in the beginning and then we answer it in so many different ways, and sometimes you're more hopeful and sometimes you're not. There's the light for me was definitely because it was at the end of the process, that was when like the the self-made brief about what this record was really cemented, so I could go in and hang out with will and and talk him through stuff and like knew what the record was about like had that in the bag, which is kind of half the battle. And that was, you know, uh, midway through near the end of 2021. And he actually came out of conversations of basically navigating how to love someone when they're not present and having hope and, and hopefully that there's, there's a sequel to whatever you've experienced. So, you know, a lot of it came out of conversations with him about he lost his dad in the last couple of years. So he was kind of dealing with that and that was his lens on, 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 on what I was bringing to the table as well. So we kind of connected on that. Um, not that they're equivalent at all, but it was just that idea of navigating someone when they're not physically present. What does that actually mean and look like? And it was nice to just make something super hopeful with him. Um, and then yeah, we had a demo and took it to the lads, and and then brought it into the. It was actually our managers and our label who really loved it and really pushed it, and then we got it. We understood it whilst we're like, Chris is playing the bass, Elliot's playing the bass, and we're like, tearing, tearing in the in the yeah, studio. It was
2: super fun to do that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: And I will say, I mean, even though this record has again it's, its highs and lows and like you said, these elements of doubt and, and missing someone. I felt like, and this might be also just because it's a very sonically bright record for the most part, um, but even then I feel like the more hopeful aspects of the record and the more euphoric aspects of the record dominate over the, the doubtful aspects of the record. And I thought that was really interesting and I'm, I'm curious what your take on that is.
1: I think it's probably by design And that was uh, as well as the idea that I wanted to talk about my long distance relationship lyrically, even, even as, even before the pandemic, I think even as we were finishing around the same time as we were finishing the Future Dust uh, touring, um, we did a huge six week tour of the States. um, And And I think we were like really the probably the tightest we've ever been as a band. We were playing really, really well. Mm and I can um,
0: attest to that. I was at one of those shows.
1: Yeah, totally. Thanks. And I felt like that, if you were going to see some Future Dust songs, that was probably the time to see it because we were so in that world. Mm -hmm. And we were so tight. And I remember just coming off stage a lot and going like, that was cool, but I feel like we have another side to us that I want to explore more. I felt that what we wanted out of the live show literally just that instant feedback I wanted it less like people were just watching us and like an us and them type thing of like we're on stage we're wearing the leather boots we're gonna do 10 minute solos and and you just stand there and watch and I was like I don't know if I want to I don't want us to go down that route as much anymore I want to create music that, uh, promotes a communal aspect to our a communal vibe and atmosphere to our shows. And it's not like we haven't done that kind of stuff before. And even on feature dust, like songs like mother in the UK, like provoke real sing-alongs and stuff. And I, and I just love that energy. It's, it's definitely not being, not being religious explicitly as a band individually. But kind of coming from a um, essentially a, a Christian country, there's that kind of communal um, spiritual aspect that's kind of woven in. Really, from when we started, uh, you know, going to school, like we'd all sing hymns. Yeah, true, As true. like children, and I would get such a buzz off, even though I didn't explicitly, you know, believe that much. In 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 the Christian um, religion, but um, there was such a um, buzz and frill about just belting out songs with hundreds of other kids and yeah, like speaking tongues. In the- uh, yeah, like and speaking tongues, and or- then you know, <laughs> headmasters on the floor having <laughs> a fit. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but no, it's like I'm just trying to explain why we get such a buzz off um, it gigs where everyone's singing and dancing and and it's this one energy that everyone's feeding off in that very moment. And I think that's what we wanted to, um, that was basically the, that was what we wanted to hunt for. That was the albatross we wanted to get. That was the. Yeah.
2: And and like all of the, well, most of the decisions we made in the studio, we kept on asking like, what what backs up like the emotion of this track? Yeah. And, um, I think you know the the subject matter for most of the songs lyrically it, for the most part is it is positive. yeah, so I think usually we'd end up, and this probably comes from that we all wanted we all want to hear music like this at the moment that's kind of like uplifting and communal and you know not being at a festival for two years you're kind of like, a, like itching a little bit. Mm-hmm. so I think we always just leaned into making something that had that kind of feeling of yeah, yeah like hopefulness that like you said.
0: Bangers, um, sure. That people can yeah to sing along to. No, it's very very much needed, and I've definitely sang along to some of these in the car many a time. Um, Perfect. But, yeah, it's, it's
1: as much, much a car record as it is yeah. a festival record.
0: Not in the worst city to be driving around on a sunny day and listening to a, to a banger of an Amazon oh, song. Oh, uh, London. No, the other one. Oh, you know Los where Angeles. I live. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. I mean when I think when I listen to say it again, I think, um, like um East Los Angeles, basically.
0: I could see that. It's definitely got an almost like Americana twang to it as well. Like it yeah. sits well there. Speaking of which, um, even though the song is very, very much your story and very, very much, you know your words and your voice. I know that you co-wrote it with Maggie Rogers. And as soon as I found that out, I could picture it in her voice as well. Cause like totally. I can kind of hear like her melodic footprint mm. on it, which is kind of cool. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, she's been writing like her last record is full of like really euphoric love songs. So I feel like she must've been a really great collaborator for something like this. Cause it's a vocabulary that she knows really, really well.
1: Yeah, big time. Um, and I love, I really, really love her new record.
0: It's very good. I was listening to it on the way here.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. It's got bite. It 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 could be equally as home, at at home in like a sweaty basement in New York or like an arena. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's those it can occupy those spaces like kind of early U two records I feel like could occupy both of those spaces where it was kind of raw and had yeah, like bite, but it also was like incredibly melodic. And interesting, there's so many cool production stuff that they've done in there. Um but yes, Say It Again. Um I, I was sitting on that idea for a long time, way before it was called Say It Again and before it had any lyrical um story, basically. It was just the it was the opening guitar riff, you could call it on the acoustic, and then like the melody for the verse. And that happens a lot, like um they're just uh like, you know, um the songs with us just kinda of grow at different rates. Some some take years, some sit on the back burner for, you know, months or or, or, or we could complete them pretty quickly. But I I um was in Los Angeles at the end of twenty twenty and um uh was around Maggie's house and um when we hang out it's very like an exchange of just have you seen this and what are you listening to right now and oh what, how did you see that film and what do you think about this and all that all that kind of stuff it's such a creative um I don't know friendship like a kind of kinship in that way um definitely have never walked away from hang with Maggie without like a notes app filled with stuff to listen to do you know what I mean like I hadn't heard of Casey Musgroves or that record, Golden Hour, until she sent it over with. Really? Yeah, a bunch of other stuff. Who I else did like I get to feel like
0: so up your street though. Oh yeah, went, oh yeah. No, no, definitely.
1: It is. <laughs> it is, it certainly is now and she, yeah. Um, but th- this was maybe, I don't know, like 2018 or 2019, I can't remember. But, um, but yeah, so, um, but what we'd never done is like actually sing or write music together or anything like that. But I kind of felt like that was a kind of um, like a, a, a natural, progression to like see if something could happen and she had a guitar and I was like Max do you mind if I play something and then just I'm I can't get a chorus like what do you think what what shall I do so I played it and then she just started singing that that chorus melody in like the most Maggie Rogers way and I was like that sounds incredible got the vo- um, voice note app out and start recording and I was like this is cool it's like lightning in a bottle and um and yeah, and we kind of just I think just her doing that was less like, "Oh, I'm gonna give you the answer. It was more just, um, I'm gonna like kick open the door to the you know kick open the door to another room of like possibilities of what the song could do. That's when you know someone's super talented when their awesome idea gives you also awesome ideas as well, yeah. um super inspirational, and then um And then, yeah, I just fleshed it out um, lyrically and stuff over the next few months. And in true Amazon's fashion, was writing lyrics um, in the vocal booth. (laughs) Of course. Of course.
0: Perfect. Um, Yeah, it's interesting how, you know, even stories and lyrics that are so deeply personal, sometimes someone else can almost help you say what's in your own head better than you can, or at least, like you said, they kind of help point you in the direction where you're like, oh, now I actually know how to word this. Yeah, I'm sure it's the same, like, you know, like, this is a very personal record. It's obviously very, other than some songs that are a little more the outer world, it's very closely, like, your stories, Matt, but even, you know, having your band around you and, and the way that I'm sure they help you express certain things, like, is, it's it just must be nice to have those sort of Different angles to even just again speak your own words, I guess.
1: Definitely, and I felt this record was the record that we just open up to different ideas and collaborators, really. And for the you know the first two records, we've been quite a closed shop, like very close knit and um, kind of a bit of a gang, really, especially creatively. And uh, I know Catherine, of producer for the first couple of records definitely came up against the brick wall. That was our, um, yeah, our pack mentality mm-hmm. in no ref- fusing good ideas. But this is the record that we wanted to open up and, and write with other people and see if we could actually make something that's even more us by, you know, having something to bounce off. Do you know what I mean? Um, so that was... That's why we went with Jim Abyss, who's, who was deeply involved in, in so much of the record. And um, he brought his kind of right hand man, Harry Koyser from Peace. And he came in a few, few days a week and would be yeah, like our synths guy, like programming or coming up with like weird and wonderful sounds via um, endless chains of guitar pedals from his massive chest. That he kind of brought in the back in the boot of his boot of his car um just trying out lots of different combinations of what works with us as a four as well and just and seeing what came out of it
0: Yeah, yeah. it's ironic how that works sometimes like the the most personal record is simultaneously the most collaborative which again goes back to what we were saying before but it is very funny how that works out yeah for sure yeah. well i think one of the it's it's funny I've, sometimes this just happens with these interviews where Sometimes we get into very specific details of specific songs by name, and sometimes it kind of ends up being this more big picture, which I think for this conversation really works just because even though each song does have its own themes, in some ways some of the themes also bleed together across songs. Like even the happier songs have elements of longing or restlessness and vice versa, you know? Um, So it's kind of almost cool to talk about it in its, its whole form and because of how much they all... Speak to each other and bounce off of each other, but given that, I feel like the three final songs on this record kind of also have almost their own little island as mm. well as being part of the larger space. Because I feel like, like they could almost all sit in the same twenty-four hours, if you will. Definitely, you know, it's like you have the two songs that are, like, well, one even though um, one of the three for the night is a little big picture because it is you know needing respite from just life in the world, mm-hmm. there's also a sense of, that it's almost like a, a one last night kind of element to it as well. 100%. And then in the morning kind of touches night and day, and then I'm not ready is very much the like, moment before leaving. So yes. it's, it's cool that they have their kind of own little moment at the end of the record, I find.
1: Yeah, and I think that, that actually was, um, they just have the ending feeling. They just had the outro feeling. Especially, I'm not ready, um, and uh, yeah, they. I guess consciously, we wanted to put those together. Just felt like a good ending to the story, and just that, like, goodbyes suck and are rubbish, but they definitely make you appreciate um, what you're saying goodbye to. Mm-hmm. Definitely, there's no, there's no uh, better way to understand that you love someone when you're saying. Than when you're saying goodbye. You're like, oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Even though we had a silly argument a day before, like, actually, when it comes down to it. Now we're at the sharp end of like actually we're gonna be apart now. We actually do really care about each other big time.
0: How will I know if heaven will find me is available now wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Sophia Lovrichero, and the artwork is by Meg Wilford.